Hi, and welcome to Around River City, the podcast. I'm Ken Cooper. This time around, we are talking with Dr. Leah Dietrich. She's an oncologist specializing in breast cancer at Gunderson Health System. And this conversation is part of our support and our sponsorship of Stepping Out in Pink. All the information that you need to be a part of Stepping Out in Pink is available on the website, aroundrivercity.com. Now, there is more to Dr. Dietrich's story than just being an oncologist at Gunderson Health System. We'll get into that right after this. Welcome back to Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. And this time around, as I mentioned, I'm talking with Dr. Leah Dietrich. She is an oncologist at Gunderson Health System. She deals with cancer patients every day. She specializes in breast cancer care. She does some research, too, and there's one more very important element to her story. I am a breast cancer survivor. Wow. Tell me about your, I guess, the first thing I want to know about is your perspective. It's got to be different than most doctors. Right. So I was diagnosed 10 years ago. I actually had my 10-year anniversary last week since my diagnosis. Um, and I had felt the lump myself and being, were you an oncologist at the time? Yes. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Specializing, and in, specializing breast can- in breast cancer at that time. Right. Right. And I had a family history of breast cancer. So I of course had always been very vigilant and had started screening mammograms early. Um, but I did find the lump myself. And I think like most people, whether you're a doctor or not, you kind of say, Oh, that's probably nothing. I'll just you know, keep an eye on it. Um, (laughs) Doctors are the worst patients. That's true, isn't it? (laughs) I think so. Um, And and then, you know, when it it persisted for a few weeks, I was kind of like, what am I doing? I have to go get this checked out. Um, And so I did. And that led me down the road of diagnosis. Wow. Yeah. So it was a crazy, crazy time. I think just like everybody who goes through this, you just go through so many emotions of disbelief and, and why, and oh my gosh, what about my kids and my family and all of those things. Did your, did your expertise and your, your experience really prepare you in any way for what was to come? Well, I think I had a lot more answers to the questions that people ask themselves or worry about, like what next, what's going to happen, what is treatment going to be like. I, I knew those things, but you're not prepared for how it feels when it's you and just your inability to really comprehend things. You're just so... You're in this state of disbelief and sadness and shock. And, um, and so it's really difficult to put things together. And I just remember telling the doctors that I was seeing, you know, please just treat me like any other patient. Like I don't know anything about what you're telling me so that we can start at the basics and I can make sure that I understand it and my husband understands it. And, and you know, we can come up with the best plan for me. Did you find yourself ever saying, oh, this is what my patients mean when they say this. Yes. Um, And it definitely gave me perspective and greater empathy and understanding for what my patients go through. And 
I hope and believe that it did make me a better doctor and better able to take care of my patients. Um, one of the things that I learned was when talking with patients who are survivors, um, you know, having routine follow-ups with my patients, they might say, you know, I have this problem or this concern, this issue, and, and really asking what concerns you about that? Like, I have back pain. What concerns you about that? Do you want me to help you treat the symptoms of your back pain? Or are you telling me, I'm concerned that this is my cancer coming back and we need to deal with that? And so it made me really kind of take that next step. And what about that concerns you? And what can we do about that? So you're a better doctor because of your experience. I hope so. And I think so. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you share your story with all of your patients? Um, I, I do, especially when I feel like it will help them, if it will help them get through it or it will help them make a good decision regarding their treatments. Um, I'm a medical oncologist, so my piece in treating breast cancer is typically with medicines. So either with um, endocrine medicines or anti-estrogen medicines or chemotherapy-type medicines. And obviously chemotherapy is, is um, a lot to go through. Um, and people are hesitant to do so, and they want to know what it's going to be like. And now I'm really able to tell them from a firsthand perspective of what it was like for me. And, of course, it's a little bit different for everybody. Um, but I have had several patients tell me, oh, it's so good to know that, that you went through this, and, and you know what I'm going to be going through, and it makes me more comfortable to know, you know that you've been down this road. And also that when I'm recommending it for somebody, I really know what that means and that I went through it myself. So it's not just a recommendation for you. It's something that I did as well. Do you mind if I ask a little bit about your, your family? And I sure. mean, cause you all went through this together. Yes. So you're, you have two daughters and they were fairly young when this diagnosis right. came. So th at the time that I was diagnosed, they were eight and 10 years old. And yeah. And, um, and, you know, they had the usual worries. Um, I imagine they were pretty uh, knowledgeable about, probably knew more than your average eight and 10 year old about breast cancer. Yes, um, and probably medicine in general. My husband is a physician as well. Oh, okay. And so, you know, dinner time conversation sometimes is medical. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's uh, where I want to put these microphones next time is just at your dinner table. <laughs> so, um, you know, so they they did know a little bit about it, and we'd ha had um, family, some family members and friends, and one of my kids has had a had a teacher that had gone through breast cancer, so they'd had some experience with it. Um, you know, and so you tried to prepare them and we tried to be very honest with them to give them information in a way that they could understand it at their age. Um, but I think that, you know, the biggest impact, um, when it really hit me was when my eight year old was like, mom, are you going to die? Oh, and you try to answer that question honestly, because you don't know at right. the time, um, but with a lot of hope. Um, and so, you know, we just did the best we could, and I've got good doctors taking care of me, and we're going to do everything we can, um, and I'm always going to be your mom. Hmm. And it's 10 years later. And it's 10 years later. Well, it's amazing how valuable and wonderful 10 years can be for someone, isn't it? 
I'm Ken Cooper, and we'll continue my conversation with oncologist Dr. Leah Dietrich from Gunderson Health System when we come back on Around River City. Welcome back. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper, talking with oncologist Dr. Leah Dietrich from Gunderson Health System. Uh, She's not only an oncologist specializing in breast cancer, but as we found out, she is a breast cancer survivor herself. And I just really had to find out how being a doctor and then a patient affected her perspective on what she does. Fairly obvious how how that experience changed her perspective as a doctor. But as a wife and a mother, I mean, and, and your children, your daughters, do they, do you, is there still a conscious awareness and appreciation of every day in these 10 years? They were so young when it happens. When we talk about it now, they talk about how little they remember of it. Um, Maybe that's good. The day to day. And hopefully that's good. I tried to... Um, be there and be present for them as much as I could during my treatment. Um, And I think that they remember that. And so that's good. Um, And, but it has definitely given us all, uh, you know, an appreciation for the everyday. One thing that was a blessing, you know, regarding the diagnosis is um, the response of everyone around you. Um, I had good friends, but our friendships deepened um, when I um, was diagnosed. Um, the things that people do for you, um, the little notes, you know, bringing meals, taking kids to practices, um, things like that really do mean a lot to you and you realize that you have a lot of people that really care about you and you get to see that love. I, I'm really amazed. Every person that I've talked with um, over the last few years, actually, that, that has gone through uh, a, a life-threatening uh, illness like this, has at one point or another talked about the blessing of this. Mm-hmm. That just, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think to, to be able to see any positive, how long does it take you to see that positive? Oh, it didn't take too long. I mean, when the, when the love and the support started pouring in, um, it was... It was like, wow, this is this is this is great. What a community that we live in, and um, you know what great family and friends I have. Um, what a great medical community, um, you know, that we're lucky to have um, in this area. I think I took that for granted a, for a long time. Uh, Lacrosse is pretty lucky. Yes, I mean we're lucky to have you know two great medical institutions and and access to. A lot of really um, amazing healthcare. It seems like things are changing dramatically, almost monthly and weekly. I mean, things have, are so different now than even when you had your breast cancer. I mean, just ten years ago. Yes, that's absolutely true. I think that cancer is one of the medical fields where things are um, technology and improvements are happening so quickly. Um, I think there's literally a new drug coming out every week for some type of cancer. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. I mean, obviously there's hundred different types of cancer, um, many different types within those types, subtypes, and each one is treated differently and there's specific drugs. And so, um, there's just amazing advancements being made. Well, and the ability, how, 
How much does it help you as a doctor that deals with patients to have the research going on <laughs> practically across the street? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and we're able to collaborate um, from the clinic with specific cases and um, specific trends that we might be seeing and then um, collaborate with Dr. Kenny in, in his lab to kind of make sense of some of those things. I don't want to sound too ignorant, but why is there so much cancer? Is that a silly question? That's a good question. Um, we know that cancer starts out as a normal cell and some mistake is made when the cell is growing and dividing and making new cells. And most of those mistakes are detected by your body and those cells are destroyed. Um, but sometimes it, that mistake is something that your body can't take care of on its own. And those cells continue to grow and divide and potentially spread to other parts of your body. And so it's just one of those mistakes that happens, random mistake most of the time. Which is what all of evolution is, isn't it, right, really? Right, right. I mean, Good mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So, the, but is it is it the same as that, other than the fact that it's not good, it's bad? But, I mean, is it just a, a natural mutation? In most cases. I mean, we know that in um, certain types of cancers, certain behaviors, exposures, genetics, all of those things play into the likelihood of those mistakes happening. Um, but... Yeah, for most people, it's random chance. I don't remember as a when I was a kid. I don't recall genetics being talked about in in talk about cancer. How long have we known that there's often a genetic component? Yes, yeah, so that is another area where there has just been you know amazing advances um, that have been made, um, starting with the um, you know human uh, genome sequencing. Um, and what that's al allowed us to learn. Um, so for breast cancer, there is some misconception among my patients that if you don't have a family history, you know, you're not going to get breast cancer. Um, when in fact, the majority of breast cancers that are diagnosed do not have a genetic or hereditary component. It's that bad luck that I was talking about. Um, but, but then a percentage of them are related to genetics or hereditary component. And we're learning more and more about different genetic abnormalities that can predispose you to breast cancer and other types of cancer. Um, 15, 20 years ago, it was just the BRCA genes and or the BRCA genes um, that are often in the news and people know about. And now there are many genes that we know about and we're gonna continue to learn about new ones. What sort of treatments and discoveries are you excited about happening in the next, let's, let's, let's just say 10 years. So 10 years ago, your diagnosis, and then today and 10 years from now, what are you hoping for and excited about? So one of the things that I have been excited about and am excited about in the future is much of the research, and there's been a ton of research done in breast cancer you know, over the last 40 to 50 years about how to best treat breast cancer. And in the last 15 or so years, there's been a huge focus on not only the best treatment, but the best treatment for that individual person. 
So there have been different tests that have been developed that have allowed us to categorize breast cancer into different types and therefore treat each type more specifically. And there are tests that have been developed for an individual person to say chemotherapy might benefit you versus it might not. And so I am happy to say that over the last 10 years, I have treated many fewer people with chemotherapy than I did in the 10 years prior to that because of these advances. So not only are we advancing what is the best way to treat, but let's specifically treat patients for what they need and not more so that we're not over-treating patients. So that's really exciting to me. Um, also, the genetic things that we talked about. It's really exciting to be able to identify people who are at risk. Yes, that's difficult for somebody to hear and perhaps know about, but we know that we can improve screening, and screening is very important for breast cancer. We have good screening tests for breast cancer, and we know that people who get screened, get mammograms, for instance, are 20% less likely to die from breast cancer. One of the things that concerns me is sometimes patients, people are worried or nervous about getting screened because they just don't want to find the cancer. But if we find it early, that means less treatment and a very good outcome, a very good chance that you're going to survive the breast cancer. So I think um, new screening tests are being developed as well, and that's exciting. Um, and then new drugs, are, there's some amazing new drugs out there to treat breast cancer. It seemed like there used to be one treatment for all cancer. It, it's, and maybe that's an oversimplification, but it seemed like that was, it was chemotherapy and radiation and... Right. Um, and now we have uh, more molecularly targeted drugs. We have immunotherapy. We have some of the um, hormone therapies that I was talking about, different types of chemotherapy. Again, not just trying to find things that are more effective, but also with fewer side effects that people tolerate better, that can preserve their quality of life. There's something to be said for that. Yes, absolutely. I remember um, there was, it used to be a TV show called St. Elsewhere. It was a doctor show back in, I don't remember, the 80s, 90s, I guess. And there was this world-renowned cancer specialist uh, that just was considered the best ever. And he walked into a, a, an elevator with another doctor colleague, and there was a patient there who recognized him and said, what, what's, who he said he had a cure for cancer, he thought he might have a cure for cancer. And this person said, what's the cure for cancer? Let me know, I have cancer. And he gave him this list of foods to eat, all natural foods, and then the patient got off the elevator and the other doctor said, is that your cure for cancer? And he said, well, no, but he's going to probably feel better in the last year of his life than he's ever felt. I, I just remember that every, every time I, we talk about this, I, I think about that and I guess the food we put into our bodies. And not just the food, but um, things that we're exposed to and lifestyle things, um, you know, smoking, excess alcohol use things like that, not exercising, obesity, all of those things are leading to the increased rates of cancer that we're seeing. Okay, so then I have to ask the question, are we doing this to ourselves? Well, again, the basis of it is that mistake that happens. But yes, there are things that we're exposed to that we do that are in our genes that make that more or less likely to happen. So, I mean, I also see patients every day who are like, I do everything right. 
you know, I exercise and I maintain my weight and I, you know, eat well and um, I don't smoke and I watch my alcohol and I still got cancer. And yes, that's true. Unfortunately, that's still going to happen. You can do everything right. Um, but we do know that if you do those things, you can decrease the chances of being diagnosed with cancer. I've got more of my conversation with oncologist Dr. Leah Dietrich coming up in just a bit here on Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. Thanks for being a part of the conversation, by the way. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast. It's free at AroundRiverCity.com, and you'll get alerted every time we have a new episode. When we come back, Dr. Dietrich and I will talk about stepping out in pink. Thanks for being a part of the conversation here on Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. If you want to keep up with any events going on around the area and maybe even get a look at some great job opportunities, you can do all of that and a lot more at AroundRiverCity.com. On this edition of the podcast, we're continuing our conversation with oncologist Dr. Leah Dietrich from Gunderson Health System. And, of course, this is all part of Stepping Out in Pink, a big event for the area that does so much good right here in the La Crosse area. Let's talk about the event. Was this, uh, was this an event that was important to you 10 years ago? Um, this event has been important to me since the beginning. Um, I have participated in Stepping Out in Pink every year, um, and it was something that I always had a team of friends from the community and participated on a team um, from Gunderson as well, um, even before I was diagnosed. Um, And so it's been a big part of my life. Uh, Every year, as I said, we get together, um, form a team, do the walk, um, go to our house afterwards for a barbecue and and make a day of it and uh, collect donations. Well, again, you have a unique perspective on the event. As a, as a doctor who benefits from the funding that comes from it, but also as a survivor uh, who benefits from the community of it. Tell me about that combination of feelings. Yeah, I mean, that's something that has always struck me is the feeling of the day of being at Stepping Out in Pink. And um, there is just such a community feeling and the love and the support that this community shows during that event is amazing. Um, One of the very special parts of stepping out in pink that not everybody, thankfully, not everybody gets to participate in is the survivor breakfast. So every morning before the walk, um, we have a breakfast um, for survivors. And it's always been a great event for me to connect with my patients and see my patients and um, some of the other physicians and myself have always volunteered at the breakfast. Um, and it's just become more meaningful than being a survivor myself. I, I think there's a part of that breakfast where you stand for the number of years that you've been, do you participate in that? Yes, yes. And I love seeing that, um, you know, some of the some of the ladies that are, 40-year survivors. It's just, it's amazing. Well, it's got to give everybody hope. It does. Yes, absolutely. Another special part of it is my sister is a breast cancer survivor as well. Um, She lives in Minnesota, but she always comes over for the event and, uh, and it's a very special day for us as well. Did she, she before you or after you have her? She was before me. She's 10 years older than me. um, And she was diagnosed with breast cancer about eight years before I was. My gosh. Mm-hmm. So 
How are you these days? Great. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're looking forward. You've got a, can, can we mention an, the big anniversary that you have? Yes. Yeah. You have a, your 25th wedding anniversary, yes. which is awesome. And uh, your husband, as you said, is a, a physician. I, every single anniversary must just be profound for the two of you. Yeah. It's, um, you, you just feel like you've been given those, those extra years. Um, I, I think initially after I was diagnosed, I didn't always want to think about, about the anniversary of my cancer diagnosis either. Um, and my husband had put it on the family calendar, you know, the family electronic calendar, and it would pop up every year. And you're just kind of counting the years, you know, those first couple years, like, oh, I made it two years, and I made it three years, and I made it five years. And, and it feels good, but it also, like, causes a little anxiety. Sure. And, um, and then in the last couple of years, it's just kind of popped up on the calendar, and I was like, oh, I forgot. It, it, the, the anniversary of my diagnosis is coming up. And that's a great place to be in. I was going to say, that might be the best celebration is to right, just not realize. Is to say, wow, I haven't been thinking about this every day of my life this year. I just thought about it now. And obviously, I, should, I think about breast cancer every day, um, but I don't think about myself as being a patient or a survivor every day anymore. I think about my patients and how to take care of them and how can I support them. So that's a great place to be. Is there anything you would, would like to say to the families? It, it is easy to forget that they're going through it to a degree as well. One of the reasons that I do what I do, people often ask me, like, why why did you choose oncology? Isn't that sad? Isn't that depressing? Um, and, and yes, it, it can be sad, but the reason that I chose to do what I'm doing is because I get to make relationships with my patients and their families. Cancer is something that the whole family has to deal with, and very often my patients bring their families into their appointments and I get to know them. And yes, I can't cure every patient that I see, um, but we're not curing diabetes either. I can make their lives better. I can make them more likely to survive their cancer. And if they don't survive their cancer, I can try to improve their quality of life and making that time that they have more meaningful for them um, and their families. And so I do think that, you know, the family is a huge, you know, a huge part. Um, and, and friends and, you know, other people who are supporting the patient with cancer. Um, that was when I was diagnosed, um, an acquaintance of my husband and I uh, had, had, had breast cancer about five years earlier. And her husband sat down with my husband and said, I didn't do these things with my wife during her cancer treatments, and I really wish that I had. And, you know, here, here are some ways to support your wife, etc." And that was so helpful for my husband. And um, he has paid that forward with every friend. Unfortunately, we've had quite a few friends diagnosed with breast cancer um, and sat down with their significant others and, you know, just given this, them some advice about that. Um, and that was very helpful for me because he was, he was so supportive and, and there for me. Um, and, again, just being able to kind of help other people through that has been, has been um, a blessing. I just 
wanted to mention that um, obviously I think Stepping Out in Pink is a great event. Um, it does so many things other than um, bringing you know, everybody together as a community. The money that is raised um, goes to help research here, here. locally. Um, it also helps provide screening mammograms um, and support for patients who have cancer um, and screening mammograms for patients who might other, otherwise not be able to get them. Um, one of the research projects that I'm working on right now is looking at the screening deficit that happened last year with COVID-19. Um, and in, across the country, there was close to 9 million cancer screening exams that didn't happen last year. That should happen. That, that should happen, right. And so um, I just kind of want to get the word out to not forget about your cancer screening exams. Again, we screen because we can find cancer before it spreads, before people have symptoms, so that we can you know, treat it more effectively. Um, so make sure that everyone's getting their screening exams and, and you're reminding your loved ones to do so as well. I think you and I both know uh, that it, it, avoidance of possible bad news seems so easy, <laughs> so much easier, but it's just, you can't, you shouldn't. Right. I mean, like I said, I did the same thing myself. I felt that lump and I was like, eh, it's probably nothing. Um, but thank goodness I only, uh, did that for a week or two. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you for what you do and thanks for the time. Yes. Again, thank you, Dr. Dietrich, for the incredible conversation, and thank you for all the work that you do at Gunderson Health System. If you would like more information on how you can be a part of Step It Out in Pink, all of that information is at AroundRiverCity.com. I'm Ken Cooper. This is Around River City.